Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. You know, the, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, I was coming to pray and uh, as I've done for the last year and a half, set aside a special time. I did that before I'd ever heard of COVID, didn't know anything about it. Felt that the Lord spoke to me and said uh, that he wanted me to seek him specially. And at the time, I just wondered what it was about, really. And then, of course, uh, about a month later, all the pandemic hit the uh, news and we were all of a sudden very much into it. And it began to make sense. But right through that time, I kept on waiting on God and I will uh, give him the glory for it without any shadow of a doubt because not ever once did I kind of come and find it that was hard yards or difficult, but more I came and found that usually on the way in, the Lord would give me a key phrase that would uh, become the platform for my time of prayer. And a couple of weeks ago, as I was driving in here, as clear as anything, I heard the Holy Spirit say this to my heart. And this is what I want to speak to you about today. I heard him say, there's a better day coming. And I don't know about you, but that was good news for me. There are challenges that we all face. There are difficulties that surround many people, some that we love and are intimately acquainted with, with we're close to. And uh, the longer things go on, for some people, the more hope disappears. And so I believe it's very important that we are plugged into God. I believe it's important that church doesn't become something that becomes uh, uh, an option, uh, some kind of alternative that we leave to one side. Now, if you don't go to a church where hope uh, is put inside of you every week, then join with us as much as you can. I believe that church ought to be a place where we discover the goodness of God, where we begin to uncover some of the plans that He has for us, so I want to take you to a story that's not one that looks hopeful, but it certainly becomes that. We're going to read about some people that were in the darkest hour possible. I'm going to spare you some of the graphic detail of it because there are children present and some of it's uh, pretty distasteful, but it's in the Bible. And I want you to understand and bring your mind for a group of people that were in a place of incredible difficulty and then we're going to start to see what God does. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24 says, Sometime later, however, King Ben-Hadad of Aram, or Syria, mustered his entire army and besieged Samaria. That was the way battles were done. And as a result, they would prevent supplies of food or water coming in or any assistance coming. And as, as a result, there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head, for food that is, sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of dove's dung, I imagine that was for fuel, sold for five pieces of silver. Well, one day as the king of Israel was walking along the wall of the city, a woman called out to him saying, please help me, my Lord, the King. Now, the King ought to be the person who is pointing them back to God. 
But this was his reply. I think I understand sometimes leaders need help themselves. This man certainly did. If you allow what's outside of you to begin to leak into your soul, there's a reason why the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it come all the issues of life. Listen to me. Uh, Christianity is not about trying to get you into religious observance, into some kind of spiritual habits or devotion. But rather Christianity is about how I walk with the supernatural God, how I allow the great love and grace of God to work out in my life in the everyday world in which I live. Christianity is not for heaven when you die. Uh, it is there for that for sure. But our walk with God is for the life we live right now. And so the king, hopeless himself, has lost any uh, ideas that it might quickly be resolved, says this, he answered, if the Lord doesn't help you, what can I do? I haven't got food from the threshing floor, nor wine from the press to give you. And then he says to the woman, what is the matter? Well, it turns out that her and someone else have, have come conspired together and done some things that are horrific and I'm not going to go into them. But I know that in every time of crisis or pressure, there are four common responses to the problem and you will observe these around the world. You will see these in the lives of people that you know. These are not things that are, are so unusual or beyond our comprehension. It's the way a lot of people are. First one is desperation and panic. The two women that I referred to, in absolute desperation, they throw aside all of their values, all of their hopes, all of the ideas that things can get better. They throw all that aside and they give up in their life. They give up in their morals. We are seeing some of that in this nation and in others where people are, are, are in panic, are allowing stress and pressure to move them away from things that once they would have held to. Desperation and panic. The second thing that you see in times of crisis or pressure is blame. And we are living right now in a world where the blame game is running hot. If it's not, I'm not even going to get into the politics of this or who it could be. But if I name names, you'll all be going, yeah, it's their fault. Uh, that's abroad in a big way. And it was exactly the same for them. Second Kings 6 verse 31. The, the king blames the prophet Elisha. Like, hello, how dumb is that? You're blaming the one guy who's the link to God who can get you out of it. He says, may God strike me and even kill me if I don't separate Elisha's head from his shoulders this very day. He blames God. Blames someone, rather, he blames uh, Elisha. 2 Kings 6.33, while Elisha was still saying this, the messenger arrived and the king said, all this misery is from the Lord. So it's someone's fault, then it's God's fault. 
And there's plenty of people right now saying, where's God in the middle of this? Well, I'll tell you where God is in the middle of all this. He's in places like this and in lives like this, in places like hope that have continued to serve regardless of whatever restrictions were, were around and continued to bring love. The member of parliament, the minister for housing, who came and fought, walked in the door and immediately I was so impressed by this. He walked in the door and he said, I like this model. He said, I like what's happening here. Walked in the door and in the first five minutes said, I love the fact that here you give people respect, that here they're not a number, that here they are treated like a person, just a person with a need. And I thought that was a pretty good pickup in five minutes to be able to tell that in this place uh, and all these volunteers, he said, can I, he said, forget about all the signage. He said, I want a photo with the volunteers. He said, can you all gather around? I want photos. He said, probably the office will get upset at me for not putting the signage in, but who cares? He said, because you're the people that are making this work. And so where is God in the middle of that? I'd say he's in the middle of transformed Cambodia and over half a million meals now in the last year and a half given away free to families that are, they don't have refrigeration, supermarkets. And so a half a million meals have been personally delivered. Where is God in the middle of all this? Well, the king is in that place, blaming people, blaming God. The third thing that you see in crisis or pressure, the third common response is unbelief. Well, chapter seven, the next chapter on, Verse 2, the officer assists, well, let me read verse 1 so you get the context of it. Elisha the prophet replied, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, five quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver. A donkey's head was 80. A cup of dove's dung was five. He says it's going to so reverse so fast that five quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver. Ten quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting the king. Never underestimate the power of your influence. The king blames and his right-hand man catches the same spirit. Huh? You know, faith is caught more than it's taught. Faith is like any virus, you catch it. Timothy, I said it when we were praying for the Bassage family. Timothy caught it from his grandma. You, the best gift parents ever give children is an example of believing. Not believing that God is there, but an example of hope and trusting God in difficult times. And so the, the officer assisting the king said to the man of God, this couldn't happen if the Lord opened up windows in heaven. In other words, he was saying, you've got to be kidding. That'd be ridiculous. Never going to happen. Pull the other leg and play jingle bells. Elisha replied to him, you'll see it happen with your own eyes, but you're not going to get to eat of it. So we see people that have moved from, from desperation and panic or they've moved to blame others or blaming God and then the final stage of it is that unbelief comes and it's like, well, you know, there is no hope. We may as well all give up. And I know that there are families that are riven by this. I'm not trying to be dramatic about it. I just read the paper. I listen to some of the news and I hear some of the things that people are saying and go, uh, we need to be carriers of hope. Come on. 
We need to be people that bear hope in whatever situation we're in. Because last I read, Jesus is still Lord. He's not moved off the throne. It's not shaky. It's no cracks in the foundation of heaven. God is still God. He's going to still be God no matter what goes on. And so you and I need to be people that are infecting other people with hope and faith. I would love there to be a pandemic of hope, wouldn't you? I'd love it if our nation rose up and began to say, you know, things are tough right now, but God is going to help us. God is our answer. That'd be awesome. Someone believes the other one, but the fourth one, and I hope it'll be in you. The fourth response in times of crisis is one of faith. Elisha stands up and declares, what do you hear God say? Because faith is not declaring just what I want, what I'm hoping, my optimism. Faith is always going, God, what do you say? What do you say? What have you said in this book? What have you said to me in my heart? That's what I can walk with. Here's some lessons for difficult seasons. I'll go through them fairly quickly with you. But first of all, I want to take you to the next part of this story. It's pretty cool and it's pretty interesting and it's pretty out there. I'd love them to make a movie of this. Because on the one hand, we've got, you know, the King Ben-Hadad of Syria, Syria Arab. He lays siege and everyone's starving. There's a great famine and people are paying exorbitant sums for ridiculous stuff. And then there's the two women who just in a fit of panic throw out all their convictions. Then there's the king and then there's the prophet Elisha. Then there's the assistant going, I don't care. I'll never believe it. And then... There were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. They say, why should we sit here waiting to die? We'll starve if we stay here. But with a famine in the city, we'd starve if we went back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, well, we would have died anyway. That's not what I'd call amazing faith. I would call that someone going, God, I don't know if you're going to help me, but you just might, so I'm going to take a step. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. But when they came to the camp or to the edge of the camp, no one was there. Now read verse 6. For the Lord, everyone say for the Lord. Because see, you might be a leper, you might have stuff missing, you might be in the deepest of weeds, you might be in the worst place possible. You might not have even heard the word that Elisha spoke. All you know about is look how bad it is, but you decide you're going to act. And when you do, for the Lord, for the Lord, because it's more than just me. In this thing, I was thinking yesterday, I may preach it sometime or other, that, it, you know, what, well, uh, if I get started on this, I'll never stop. You'll just have to wait for when I talk about why Jesus said to Peter, Satan has decided to sift you like wheat. Why not, John? I'll give it to you another time. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching but it's actually just four lepers. I don't know what part of their body they'd lost. Usually with lepers, Hansen's disease, it's toes and fingers first. So I don't know whether these toeless men 
They'd already boiled up their sandals and eaten them. Well, it was leather. You've got to eat something. And so off they go with all their disability and their lack. And the Lord says, you know what? I'm going to take the sound of four lepers and I'm going to amplify it. I'm going to take the little bit you're giving me, that tiny little noise called your feet, your stumps, your bits. So I'm going to take that and I'm going to and I'm going to amplify it. I'm going to make it sound like something you've never heard before. And four lepers' feet start sounding like the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. These guys, the Aramean army, say the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked. That time the panic shifted from the people of God to the enemies of God. Amen. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, all those heads. And everything else as they fled for their lives. Here's a couple of lessons that I want you to get out of this story today, believing that there's a better day coming. Number one is that God uses the unlikely. That's, I think that's incredibly good news for you and me. How many people here like me have ever followed you are the most unlikely? Or, or okay, just me and Mark and Rhonda or Pastor Bruce as well, you feel unlikely. I do. I was the shyest person I've ever known growing up. Unlikely? Absolutely. So many areas of inadequacy and not being where I, I thought would have made me a great choice. And yet God tends to use the unlikely, doesn't he? Doesn't mean you shouldn't be trained or you shouldn't build skills in your life. Hopefully all of us have improved somewhat. But it's good news for you and I. You don't have to have a platform, you know, a million social media followers, some kind of powerful position in order to be able to uh, have God use you. Whatever your lack, whatever your inadequacies, they don't prevent God using you. God uses the unlikely. Therefore, he can use you. But if you're one of those people that's here today and you go, no, actually, I'm amazing. And I am so good that God should be pleased he got me. Then I have good news for you as well. He not only uses the unlikely, he'll use the likely. So people like, you know, Trevor, Todd, who's warm and outgoing and can make anyone laugh. God can use him to bring a word of wisdom to somebody. I didn't mean that half joking. Because sometimes we, we think that God can only use me in the place of my strengths. And so we come to God and we only give him the bits we're good at. When what he really wants is he wants all of you. Because sometimes he'll use you in the bits you're no good at. Just to show you that it's him and not just you. Second lesson I learned out of this is that God uses people willing to act. Think about it. If four lepers had just sat there waiting, saying, well, nothing's ever going to happen we'll all be ruined that's for the older people here but instead of that four lepers go we may as well try I love that kind of spirit particularly amongst believers people that go you know what I'm willing Lord to do something so let me encourage you to pray that prayer 
Yeah, but what if it doesn't happen? Well, what have you lost? That great philosopher, Michael Jordan, when asked about how he felt when he was uh, at a game winning or losing point and he took the shot and it missed, they said, how do you feel? He said, all I know is that I miss 100% of the shots I don't take. So you know what? Pray that prayer. Sow that seed. Declare that vision. Reach out to that person. You may as well. Are they cranky at you? Well, how could it be worse? You may as well build the bridge. Why put another brick in the wall, Pink Floyd? It's another one for the oldies. Why put another brick? Some people are spending all their effort using all the bricks available to them to build walls. How about deciding to build a bridge? Come on. How about building a bridge to that family member you haven't spoken to for ages? Write them a letter saying, I don't know what happened. I'm not even sure and I don't need to go visit it again. But I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. Because God uses people that are willing to act, doesn't he? Amen. Here's the third lesson. Lesson number three is God does the supernatural when we give him our natural. These guys don't have it. They're not prayer warriors. They're not prophets. Yea, they thus saith the Lord, for if we will just but arise and go forth from this house and go walking forth into the destiny and the fullness of God, yea, for even shall not the Lord thy God move in such a powerful way. That was another one for the oldies. None of that happened. These four blokes just get up and go, why not? And God took the very natural and did something supernatural with it. Remember the water turned into wine? But there's no wine unless somebody fills up the pots with water. Remember the five loaves and the two fish where Jesus fed 5,000? But there's no feeding unless there's somebody saying, I'll give you my five loaves. I know it's inadequate, but I'll give it to you anyhow. God does the supernatural when we give him our natural. Here's lesson number four. Don't judge God's tomorrows for you by your todays. Don't judge what God might do tomorrow by how things look in your world right now. Here's lesson number five. I think it may be the most powerful one of all. Lesson number five is what I believe in difficult seasons really matters. Listen, faith and believing is not mental gymnastics. It involves no denial, no pretending. Those words should never be associated with faith because they're not real. They're not the secret to faith. The secret to faith is not to deny what's there. It's to see what's there, but to acknowledge God in the middle of it. What I believe in difficult seasons, my experience, and I'm only just one, and maybe I'm slower than many or most, but I know this, that sometimes for me, getting to that point is a challenge. I read this and it tells me this is what God says and what God does. I read that, but in my heart, there's still a wrestling going on, saying, Lord, is that you? Uh, will you do it for me? I see it's there. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Romans 8, you know, and all these things, we're more than conquerors. It's easy to read them, but can I tell you, listen to me, it's not enough to read the Bible, quote the Bible, pray the Bible. They're all good things to do, 
But somewhere along the way, you've got to go, mm, yeah. So Jacob wrestled with the angel all night long. I'm convinced that this is a season where the people that wrestle for the things of God walk out of it better and bigger. The people who just on the other hand go, oh, well, batten down the hatches. Hold the fort for I am coming. You know, go into the spiritual bomb shelter and wait till it's all finished. Or else, stand up and start to say to yourself, what I believe matters here right now. Can the Holy Spirit plant a seed of faith in you? Or has the storm of circumstances and opinions around about you persuaded you to shut the door on possibility just one man was enough? I love this. Because I, I think, you know, no matter who you are, maybe no one at your workplace has got any hope or faith. Maybe no one in your family's got any hope or faith. But you know what? If you do, and it's real, it'll be enough to carry the day. One man dared to declare the opposite of what everyone else thought and the opposite of the way it all looked, the opposite of what the crowd was saying, and he dared to declare what was in his heart. I believe there is a better day coming. Why do I believe that? Well, I want to finish by giving you two passages. They won't be up on the screen for you, but that's all right. You'll be able to hear them as I read them to you. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 9, wherefore, God also has highly exalted him, at capital H, it's Jesus, and given him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, those in heaven, those in earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The reality is that it's still there. It's not over yet. The reality is that Jesus is Lord. He's not going to become Lord, and I don't have to make him Lord. He's already Lord of everything. That's what it says. Let me give you one more passage as a take-home for you today. Something for you to go home and go, I'm going to let this percolate in my heart. It's Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. Watch what it says. What then shall we say to these things? You better have something to say to what's around about you. What then shall we say to these things? And this is what he recommends you say. If God is for us, who can be against us? He that did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? Who'll bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? It's Christ who died and he's risen. He's at the right hand of God and he lives there to make intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he starts listing off all the things that'll try. Will tribulation, that trouble, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril of sort? As it's written, for your sake, we killed all day long, counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors to him who loved us. I pray that in your heart today, if you go home with nothing more than saying, I believe there's a better day coming. Go to your workplace this week. Just in conversation, someone says, how are you doing? You say, there's a better day coming. 
Do you think so? Are you sure? Oh, I don't know. Vaccination rates. Or whatever. Well, I don't know. I believe there's a better day coming. Amen. I believe it. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, thank you for everyone that's a part of this service wherever they are. Lord, your word, the, your own word says about itself, the entrance of your word brings light. And that means dark things disappear. You bring something to us that illuminates, makes the path forward so much easier and clearer for us. Lord, I pray for every family. I pray for every man, every woman, every young person, every child, no matter who they are, where they are. No matter whether it's something to do with the pandemic or got nothing to do with that, it's just life. God, I pray that we'll be people that are infused with hope. And then, Lord, not just infused for ourselves, but we'll be bearers of it to other people. Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, uh, people do this all the time. I was talking to Anna who was up here on this platform a minute ago, and I think she's probably waiting. Come on out, Tank. Anna was born in Albania. And I think August last year, wasn't it, Anna? About August last year, you and your husband, Nathan, and Rhonda and I, we were having dinner. I think it was a leader's dinner, wasn't it? Right here. And uh, she was telling me about social media and how she had quite a lot of followers back in Albania. And I said, have you ever thought of running a connect group? for the people in Albania. She said, that's a wonderful idea. I didn't realize that she was gonna to have to get up at 2 a.m. on Monday mornings for an hour on Zoom with people in Albania and Italy and Switzerland and other parts of the world. Well, that kept on growing. I was on Zoom with them a couple of times and that was such a humbling experience to meet these people that were so hungry for God and saying, we don't have anything like this in our part of the world. Well, a few weeks ago, uh, one of the people who joined the second week in that one put her hand up, Lula's her name, and she said, oh, I want to, to serve, I want to lead a connect group. Most of the people that have joined her group are people from no faith at all or from a different space when it comes to their, uh, most of them have no idea about Jesus. And she was telling me this morning how already three of those people have said yes to Jesus. So your impact as a, as a church it's been a lot bigger than what you see around about you. And I want to tell you, thank you for that. Thank you for being a part of it and bringing your faith and love and support for people. But you know, those people in Albania, they may not know all that you know. They may not have grown up in a Christian family, Christian country or anything else. But their life got changed because of three little letters. Y-E-S. They just said yes to Jesus and that changed everything. Doesn't matter who you are. Christianity is not something you've got to be raised with. Doesn't have to be your cultural background because Jesus is a person, not a religion. And if you want to say yes to Him, He'll hear you and He will respond to you. The Bible says He's waiting for your yes because He's, He's gentleman. He's not going to barge His way in. He's waiting for your yes. Do you know how easy it is? If you sent YES to that number up on the screen, if you're in Australia, to 0488826392, 
or if you're outside of Australia or you'd rather get the support via email, then it's yes.metrochurch.org.au. If you do that, as simple as that is, something profound will happen in you before we send you the material, before we send you every day the Bible verse and the prayer fits on one screen of the smartphone, or you're just getting a brief email for 30 days free, no strings attached, no pressure, no obligations of any kind. It's your yes that opens the door. I'd love to pray for those people that are going to give the yes, Lord, wherever they are. I don't know them, but you do. I'll, I might not ever know their name, but you will know their name and you will put your name on their life. So we thank you for it. Help them, Lord Jesus. Help those people, Lord, for whom saying yes to you is like, it's a huge step. It's not an easy one. It's a big one. They understand the change that it will bring and mean for their life. I thank you for helping them. Amen.